This is gonna be fucking fun. Presentation of Major League A Holes in the Hole and Socks type thing. I'm Pete. I'm Ryan. You are in the hole with Major League A Holes All Star Break Edition. It's not the halfway point, as everyone always says. We no, are. It's worse for our teams. We're over the halfway point. Yeah, we're like 90, 92 games in. So there's only like 70 games left. Yeah, 70 games left. Our teams, our five teams here are a combined negative 66 games below 500. Uh, which is hard to believe, but we're trying to find a way to get through this season. <laughs> I mean, I feel like one has a legit chance, one has an outside chance, and the rest have no chance. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you. We'll be breaking down those chances. We had an, we also had an All Star game last night and a home run derby the night before that that had some local ties for us. So we'll delve into those. Got not one but two no nos of the week. We haven't had one all year, so it's about time we had. No nos of the week, and they both involve teams I root for, and one on the good side and one on the bad side. Uh, we've got oh, I forgot we're gonna weave in an aesthetics, of course, into the all star game, of course. Uh, yeah, I've got some similar thoughts to last year, I guess, but but those fucking uniforms driving me crazy. But uh, I think we'll wrap up the show with uh, another badass of the week, which is another predictable one, I think. But, We'll break it all down for you. So why don't we go ahead and jump into the news? Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty. That is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. You've got tornado sirens going off again. I'm telling you, it's like clear. I don't know what the hell. I think they're just testing them now. I don't know. Yeah, this. By the way, I just want to let you know, I'm so dedicated to this podcast, everyone. I'm in the Bucktown area. There's tornado sirens. Yeah, in in Chicago, there's tornado sirens going off. I can hear them, yeah. We're doing it. You hear it in the back. That's actually not the tornado sirens. That's a warning that the White Sox baseball season's about to start up again. That's a good so one. Yeah, I was thinking fucking take cover. <laughs> take cover. It's over. No, don't watch. This is the end. Yes, this is the end. Yeah, so this might be um, the most dramatic podcast ever, <laughs> as we might see debris flying behind in front <laughs> you might, of behind you. You may hear a sudden stoppage and everything go black on my end. <laughs> It does. I'll I'll hope for the best. Assume the worst, I guess. Please send me a text if that happens. <laughs> Good lord. What what a what a way to start off the show. But yeah. Uh, we might as well start with a home run derby, I guess, uh to kind of reverse chronological. We had yeah, a former Lugnut, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. joins his father as the first father-son combination to ever win a home run derby, which I think is really fucking cool. The Derby. He was, I kind of had a rooting interest just because he's a former Lugnut, of course, and I continue to work for the Lugnuts after the last 15 years. So I've got a little little tie there. Of course, we had the local tie with Luis Robert Jr., another junior, looking pretty good in the first first round. I thought he, oh I thought he might God. go pretty far. For- ferocious. Yeah, and then things kind of kind of tailed off there in the second round. Yeah, I feel like the pitching got 
for a lot of hitters, like their pitchers got worse in the yeah. second round. And, you know, he wanted the ball like kind of inside and, and low. And um, I'm trying to think there was another hitter who had the same issue. Pete Alonzo. Yeah, Alonzo. Right. Terrible yeah. Guy, guy was terrible. He kept throwing, kept throwing him outside him. Yeah. So he was hitting like opposite field line drives. Like we'll yeah. throw it up and in and he'll knock it out. But that was yeah. apparently not, not so easy. But I mean, Robert had to get to, to 29 to, or 28 to advance. And at one point in the, in the, in regular time, it was looking like, Oh, he's not doing so great. Then he goes on this tear for the, after the pause, after the timeout. Cause he was at like, I think he was at like 11 home runs going in the timeout and he ended at 27 in a tie within regulation and just had to hit one in, yep. in and he got the full minute because he's the owner. He is, he did win one thing. He's got the longest home run of the night at That's 485 right. feet. But yeah, the second round was just, I mean, he's hitting like low line drives. And yeah, shit, so. he looked gassed, but it was revealed later that he felt some tightness in what was his right calf, left calf. Well, I mean, you can't escape an injury. I mean, I think you predicted it, in fact, in the last episode, or at least something I, along the lines of Bo- the Bobby Abreu curse. Yes, yes, it's everywhere. It's always there, even though it's really only happened to Bobby Abreu. But and, it's always looming. And potentially now Luis Robert Jr., although he's yeah. said to be playing on Friday, first game back. Well, I guess we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So hopefully, hopefully everything's okay. But it's like, when I saw that news come across yesterday, it's like, oh, of course, it could only happen the one yeah. white sock in the all-star game i know doesn't even play in the game then Ugh, that was another brutal part uh not a whole lot of representation for our five clubs actually mainly giants i saw alex cobb had a solid solid inning yes. did walk otani uh which is not nothing to be ashamed of i saw was it doval uh, the winner came, came in came in later throwing 102 mile an hour heat Looking crazy dominant in the All-Star game. That was pretty impressive. Justin Steele for the Cubs had a solid, solid inning. Michael Lorenzen from the Detroit Tigers even made an appearance, which, did we talk about this last show? No. Uh, He he got called to, or basically told by A.J. Hinch, got called into his office to get the news that he was going to be an All-Star. But Michael Lorenzen, the idea that he was going to be an All-Star never even entered his mind. He thought he was getting called into A.J.'s office to, because he was getting traded. <laughs> I called into his office and got told he was going to the All-Star game. He's like, dude, I'm a mid-four. Referring to his mid-four ERA. He's like, why am I going to the All-Star game? How is this possible? So, uh, But he was, of course, happy uh, happy to be there. And actually, I was kind of cringing when he came in. It was kind of an awkward situation. He got called in after a long delay. for They're checking a replay on a home run, whether it was fair or foul. Ended up being fouled, but the pitcher who threw it from the Blue Jays, I forget who it actually was, but he ended up like hurting his back. And so Lorenzen got called in to finish the at bat and finish the inning, uh, which he gave up a, a dribbler that it should have been an error on uh, Rutschman thrown to first, but they, they called it an infield hit, which I thought was bullshit. Then he walked the next batter, so I could I could just see things imploding for a dude that didn't even feel like he was worthy to be there, but. Right. Ended up getting out of the inning, getting out of the crisis. Worked out well. I was happy for him. Tigers 
Tigers were well represented by Michael Lorenzen, believe it or not. National League won their first in like 10 years, 11 years. Uh, I, I, I thought that was kind of crazy. I, I didn't realize it was that record. I guess, I, I guess I'm not quite as provincial about National League and American League as I was when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if you are, but I, I just, I didn't really keep track of those records as much. I guess I did when it used to count for the, the World Series home field advantage a lot more. Yeah, it's been since uh, 2012. Crazy stat: uh, the aforementioned Devell was the winner of the All Star Game. Oh, he got the W. Okay. Yeah, and the last time the National League won an All Star Game, a Giants pitcher was also the winner that night. Mm. Matt Cain in 2012 pitched two scoreless innings to get the win. So that's a good year in general for you guys. Yeah. Well. That means it's going to happen now. <laughs> Not really, right. but yeah, that's a little bit different situation, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts about the home run derby or all-star game? Uh, home run derby. Um, I don't know. I just, I used to get, I used to get so into it, but I don't think, I don't feel like anyone's doing, I mean, maybe if Otani was in it, it would have been, that would have been awesome. It would have yeah. been crazy, but even Roberts 485 foot home run, the way they the I just feel like the coverage was shitty. Yeah. Like you I didn't even think... know you didn't even know he hit a 485 foot home run until they were like, Oh, Lewis Robert has the longest home run of the night at 485 feet. And then when they showed the replay of it, you couldn't really even tell how like majestic it was. Yeah. Or... It was weird. It was hard to see home run balls in general, even in the all-star, especially in the all-star game that the time of day or whatever it's, it was very early. There It was only like five o'clock, I think right in Seattle. So that kind of messed with the visual, but I thought the graphics were kind of fucked up in the broadcast for the, at least for the, well, for both, but uh, for the home run derby, it was hard to figure out what was going on. Well, mainly the all-star game. We'll get to that in a second, but yeah, I think they just had a lot of, a lot of strange issues. I felt like Luis Robert was kind of overlooked in general. Uh, they, they didn't have a whole lot to say about him. They they were kind of showing how he was milling around between, between his rounds. Like no one was talking to him. Like he didn't have any friends there. So it was kind of a, just a weird way they portrayed him. I thought. But yeah. All-star game. Kind of a strange broadcast. Uh, it's you know, I always take pride in the Mid Michigan broadcast booth with John Smoltz, being from Waverly, Michigan, uh, which is part of Lansing, right here in West Lansing, about, West about, Lansing. About, about two miles away from where I'm sitting right now. And then, of course, Joe Davis from Potterville uh, on the west side of Lansing. Kind of amazing that the two guys broadcasting the All Star Game and eventually the World Series again. Potterville's uh, real. Yeah, we, you've done this. In a movie. You've done this joke before, actually. It's uh, Pottersville is in. It's oh, okay. and you had the same reaction when I told you again. Oh, yeah, I'll yeah. edit this. I'll, I'll splice <laughs> these together so you know exactly that you keep telling the same goddamn joke. But the they did a good job of like interviewing players on the field, which is a cool thing they can do for for all star games. I don't mind it in exhibition games like this. It kind of drives me crazy when they do it in real competitive games where they might yeah. be the outfielder. They actually mic'd up the pitcher one time, which I thought was great because you, you got his thoughts like right after he threw a pitch, whether he, he liked it or what he did wrong or what was what was going through his head, which I thought was cool. 
The most awkward parts, of course, is when they bring in chatbot A-Rod. Feels like he's just an amalgamation of uh, artificial intelligence taking like whatever baseball cliches and just molding, mushing them together and saying whatever. The palpable tension between he and Jeter just cracks me up too. Uh, (laughs) And then interspliced with Big Poppy just confidently saying inane comments thinking they're jokes and just equally confidently laughing at his own jokes which makes me makes me laugh but they stayed on those guys for like a full inning where all they could talk about was the weather and the popcorn they were eating <laughs> it's just like why are we doing this right exactly the main thing i want to get to is that was really distracting or frustrating with the broadcast is our aesthetics hey Craig, what do you think of this shirt I'm still busy. You know what you two look like? What? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. I think it's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen, to be perfectly honest with you. You look like a fool. Can I say one thing to you? And I say this with an unblemished record of staunch heterosexuality. Absolutely. <laughs> it's fabulous. The uniforms for the third time basically team local team themed jerseys featuring the green and blue of the Mariners to highlight that city. Uh, the American league had the deep blue or I'm sorry, they had the seafoam green with white pants. Ooh. The national league had like ocean deep blue sea uh, Navy jerseys and pants uh, with, you know, national league. Nationals written across the chest. So the team, the actual individual team branding was really hard to see. There was a, a patch on the sleeve you know, to identify what team they were actually playing from. Uh, the hats had the logo of the individual teams as well, but they were like on a weird mint colored hat. I thought it was khaki when I first saw it. And apparently you, you noticed that it was yeah. mint, well, mint I knew it was, right away. But. Yeah, just because I saw it in an advertisement. So it right. wasn't like I even considered another color. I don't know about you, but it, it drives me crazy because, first of all, I love the old tradition where the, you know, the team, the players wear their team uniforms, they wear, you know, home or road, whether the National League or home or American League. But it's just an easy visual. The, the main problem I have with it is you, I can't tell who players are right away. You have to really pay attention to what's going on. You have to, you also have to rely on the graphics on screen to tell you who's, who's pitching or who's fielding, who's come in or come out of the game. Cause you know, that's not really, it happens more in that game than any other game. So you need more help than any other game to know who's actually on the field. So I had a hard time identifying. Maybe not everybody does, but it, it drove me crazy. I don't, what did you have a problem? Uh, here's here's what I think they should do. They should they should meet in the middle, mm. and this would be great great for jersey sales. I think they started. I think they specifically are wearing them during the games the last few years because of jersey sales. Because yep, you're right. Why would you Why would you buy a jersey that's only worn during uh, the home run hitting contest? By the way, those were the authentics were selling for close to five hundred bucks. Oh, really? Yeah. So there, I guess there's a market there if they if they could charge that much for them. Yeah, but my thought is what they should do is you can have your you can have the the colors, but just do 
make a version of that jersey for each team's jersey. It, that's similar to what they did last year. The, the big difference this year is it said American or national across the chest. Last year in Los Angeles, like the Cubs actually had the Cubs logo. It was in black and gold like the rest of the jerseys. Yeah, okay, maybe that's why I'm thinking about that. Though. I thought, yeah. yeah, so those those were definitely better. So it's getting worse now that they're making them even more generic, I think. But I think I think you're right. If they would just go back to that, where the team, the individual team branding was a little more obvious. So you just know you had a little bit more of an indicator of who the fuck we're looking at right away. Because wasn't it, the, maybe it was, what was the first year they did it? Where was that one at? Uh, that would have been, I think that was Colorado two years ago. That one, I Those think were, they were also American and national no, and, they the, ha- and the logo was on the sleeve. No, they had, they just had small logos on the chest. They didn't have anything oh, across. So it was small logos on the chest. Yeah. And they were fucked up. It, it was, they were awful, but this is the first time they just, they've actually yeah. said American or national, which made them even more generic. I mean, why not? File. Yeah, why not just literally take a, a a Sox jersey, and what was the what was their colors there? Seafoam. I don't know. Seafoam, well, navy blue, basically. Yeah, yeah, and make it and make the patch navy. Let's just say navy blue and navy blue stripes, and call it a day. And then yeah. the Cubs instead of royal blue is navy blue. I like, think that'd I be mean, cool. And that's I think it would be cool. And you might even you might be like shit. That's a badass jersey or whatever, and you're gonna buy it then. Yeah, is anyone I really know. excited to say, you know, American? Do they have their American League legion, you know, allegiance? Yeah. You want like, to make have, that loud and proud? I, I have an American Abreu t-shirt that oh, I I've seen that. It's of, red. It was, yeah, because it was like $8.99. That's when I bought it. <laughs> and I didn't have any Abreu stuff at the time. So I'm like, ah, I'll get this, get this bad boy for $8.99. But like I would never buy a jersey that has that on it. I mean. I, I think it's it's for a generation, maybe two generations after us. I think it's for the kids. They they're selling them to somebody. I guess, yeah. And they, like you said, they figured out they they could sell more if they wore them during the All Star game than wearing them during the Home Run Derby, like they used to. I love that. That was that was the best. If you're going to do some goofy jersey, do it in the Home Run Derby. But I guess I understand if they're trying to trying to sell them if they're making them. It just make it's making the broadcast worse. And I think that that's a short-sighted mistake there because you know, the, the All-Star MLB All-Star game is the most popular of all four sports by far. And if they're making it harder to watch and harder to understand what's going on, I think they're, they're that popularity is going to erode. It just seems yeah. penny wise and pound foolish to me, but maybe a compromise is if they want to do their goofy jerseys, everyone still wears their regular hat. You know their team hat in the in their team colors. And yeah, that could work too. Yeah, it might exactly. kind of clash with everything else. But I, again, I didn't think the mint hats last night looked very good. Anyway, so well, I ordered you one. <laughs> yeah, they had they put like the team logo. Then they had like a star, like for the Mariners, you know, navigation star up, yeah. up above the team logo, which was kind of goofy. I, I'm Giant sure there's an explanation awesome. somewhere. Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't bother with that. But there's a giant all-star patch with like a chevron pattern on on the side. It was obnoxious, but I don't know. It gives gives us a reason to create an aesthetic segment. So thank you, MLB. I think that moves us to our own Major League A holes All Stars, the third installment. Uh, first two we covered the infield and outfield as well the as well as the DH. Tonight we're going to cover our pitchers from the five teams we cover decide who the five best 
starters and I figure we might as well go with the five best relievers just to keep it kind of even, but we don't have to, we don't have to go through the entire list that I sent you. I think you've got them pulled up there. Yeah. I think, I think what we should do is note that anchoring from a war standpoint uh, at the bottom of this list are the likes of Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, Mike Clevenger and Kyle Hendricks. So, yeah, their wars are all in the low ones, aren't they? Yeah, what like Hen- Hendricks is one, Clevenger is one six, Kopech is one seven, Cease is one four, but then there's like higher ERAs and stuff. So it's it's yeah. a mess. It's what a mess. I what I did, and I sent you basically those are my rankings. You don't have to follow that, but I I started with war, and then if it was a close war or if another stat just blew out everyone out of the water, like you know, more strikeouts or a way worse ERA or something like that. I kind of rearranged that. So it's not strictly war, but I don't know if you might not agree with everything I did there, but maybe you want to start. Well, you can start after the ones you just mentioned. Yeah. um, Then, then you kind of get into, you know, pitchers you'd start considering Um, JP Sears from Oakland 2.1 war. I put stars around him only because I want to discuss this with you on the air. <laughs> if, if we want to go by the same tradition that uh, Major League Baseball has, that every team has to be represented. Oh, okay. Oakland yeah. is not going to have anyone else on this roster unless JP Sears ah. makes our number five starter. So that might be a – maybe after we go through the list, if there's a close uh, for our fifth starter – uh, maybe you can maybe you can be the deciding vote, but that's that's what I wanted to point out. Then we got Alex Cobb, two point six WAR, two nine one ERA, yeah. eighty six strikeouts, one three WHIP. Eduardo Rodriguez, who why well, a lot of these guys ended up injured this year so far. Yeah, it's controversial. He just came back last yeah. week from the injured list, but he had a tremendous first two months. Yeah, and that's but, part of what's affecting his war. Yeah, his war would be far better if he continued that pace. He did come back yeah. and look pretty shaky, so uh, it's hard to say. But I, I wanted him on the list just because his war was so impressive, even though he had missed so much time. So maybe he's one that can get subbed out for J.P. Sears. Uh, 2.2 war, 264 ERA, barely above one whip, and 74 Ks. Trade bait, Lucas Giolito. Thank you. Mm. Thank God. 2.9 war, 345 ERA, 1139 whip, and 117 Ks. Justin Steele. 2.9 war, 256 ERA, 1062 whip, 81 Ks. One of my favorite pitchers, Logan Webb, yeah. 3.1 war, 3.14 ERA, all ones for the whip, and 127 strikeouts. Thank he you. just had a nine-inning shutout, I think, in his last outing. Yeah, so. He did. That's he did it in under 100 pitches. He did the Maddox. The Maddox, wow. Yeah. Marcus Stroman, three point, we may have heard of him this year, 3.1 yeah. war, He's been 296 mentioned. ERA. 1109 whip and 98k's. Well, I think we can pencil in Stroman, Webb, Giolito, and, and Steel, right? It's either Steel. Oh, I thought I said and... Steel, but yeah, Steel for sure. Yeah. Uh, That'd be four right there. So that's the fifth slot. That's yeah, it's 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 we either go 
Eduardo Rodriguez or JP Sears? Let's go Sears just to make sure we okay. get Oakland A in it. And just for the fact that Rodriguez was was out for a while. So I think, I think right. that's a that's a justified starting five. That's a yeah. formidable starting five. I mean, I think you'd be able to win a few ball games with that group. I think so. Uh, let's jump to relievers. That's where the Tigers will finally get represented. That's why I wasn't too worried about Eri All right. getting on the list. I don't know if you might as well start at the bottom of that yeah, list. Yeah, I'll start at the bottom. I mean, this isn't, this is, this list is, I mean, the overall, the pitching lists aren't like terrible, like some of our batting stats we have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, solid. like overall, these lists are pretty solid. You got Graveman, uh, one more, 293 RA, 11125WIP, 39Ks. Santos for the White Sox, 1-3 war, 2.76 ERA, 1-226 whip, 44 Ks. Uh, Duval for San Francisco, we talked about earlier, he was an all-star, 1.3 war, 2.63 ERA, 10.49 on the whip, and 57 strikeouts. In fact, yeah, that, he does have the most strikeouts on this list. Yeah, that's where war is a little bit deceiving because I, I, I love giving – especially late relievers credit for strikeouts. Um, another rocket ship this year, Ad, Adbert. Yeah. Azale. You sound like Michael K trying to say his name <laughs> on the, on the London broadcast. Adbert Azale. Uh, one, uh, also a 1.3 war, two, two, nine ERA under one whip at 0.915, which you like to see out of relievers. 43 Ks. Well, you'd like to see that out of anyone, but you know, yeah. coming in for a short stint. So, uh, Axel Foley, I'm sorry. I mean, Jason Foley, both from Detroit, uh, one five war. <laughs> That's right. Two zero nine ERA, one zero zero nine whip, and 34 Ks. Yeah, Tyler he's, Rogers. He's the, yeah. Uh, Foley is the Tigers' eighth inning guy who's just been masterful all season long. I might want to move him up on that list just because of his eighth inning role versus the other Tiger you're going to get to in our moment. But uh, the yeah, Tyler Rogers, one of the twins of the Rogers from San Francisco, from San from San Fran, one point six WAR, two one seventy RA, one zero five one WHIP, and thirty six Ks, and uh, Tyler Holton from Det- I almost said Horton, sorry, Tyler Holton from Detroit. 1.5 war, 189 ERA, under one whip at 986 yeah. and 41 Ks. Yeah, his, his he's got probably the most impressive numbers. Those don't come in the very late innings typically. Uh, he's just amassed good good stats as a reliever, middle reliever all all the year. So I don't know that he necessarily needs to be number one or if it even matters. But I don't know how many did I list there. Was that six or seven? We have seven. You which ones would you like to remove from from the list? Um, I'll live with it. Unless you remove both tigers, and I'd have a problem. I'm removing both tigers <laughs> now and inserting both white socks. No, um I'd like to give Gregory Santos yeah. the nod. He's been really impressive this year for being a, a rookie. And I don't Who are you know. Off? Is there one of the tigers you take off i take or... off, it's, it's ironic because i have him at the top of the list because he's got the best war i think uh but i take off Tyler Holton. oh rogers actually has the best war but he has a, an under okay. one whip and right, more right. k's than rogers by five so 
Yeah, I, if we're gonna pick one of the two tigers, I'd take Foley just because his his eighth inning will. Okay, so then high leverage. Cool. So then uh, we go Rogers, Foley, Ozile, Ozile, Duval, and Santos. I like it. That's a good right. representation of all of our teams. So I don't know. That was fun. It was All Star Week. Thought we might as well do our own All Stars. It kind of made me look at made me look at the bullpens, which is it's kind of I haven't seen a whole lot of uh, San Francisco Giants games, so I had to do some research there. But <laughs> so they're twin brothers, Taylor and Tyler Rogers. What, what? Yes, are both on the Giants now. Well, what the fuck's wrong with Taylor? I mean, they've got the same genetic. You know, well, they were split. the same numbers. He got the good. He got the good half. <laughs> well, uh, I think we can wrap up at least the All Star section of this show. Do we want to move over to your San Francisco Giants? Yeah, let's move over to the Giants. Um, not a ton to talk about. Um, just some funny. It's more like funny shit with the Giants this week. Uh, what I want to lead with before I get into the actual like where the Giants are at is. Alex Cobb, all-star Alex Cobb, is predicting, and this is a this is breaking news, folks. So just I want to let everyone know the Otani sweepstakes are over. <laughs> Alex Cobb has called it for the Giants. Wow. And he is convinced that not only are the Giants gonna do it, but that or not only should the Giants do it, but the Giants are going to do it. They're going to pursue it so hard and so aggressive that Shohei Otani will be a giant next season. I mean, there's some plausibility there just because I think the Giants have the means to, to give an offer as good as any club potentially. They most certainly do. They are on the West coast, which is a huge advantage to a guy from Japan who wants to travel back and forth to home uh, every so often. And that would make it that much easier. Uh, I don't know his thoughts about the Bay area or Northern California compared to Southern California where he's been living. That's a very different climate. I think the climate could be the hangup based on some comments he's made. Yeah. I think his definition of cold or versus uh, the Bay area versus the Midwest or potentially East coast. It's not too bad. So he might be able to live with that. With the, right dollar amount or years on his, on the deal they might offer. So I think there's some plausibility there. Oh, I think there's uh, plausibility. I just love the declaration and aggressiveness yeah. on cops. Coming from our- like, <laughs> he's like, this is over. That's, that's solid. Uh, I do. It sucks, but I think he's going to be a Dodger. I think. Yeah, I do points, too. All the signs point to him becoming a Dodger, uh, which is really boring and predictable and, not what hardly anyone wants to see, I think, but hey, I like it. Get, thinking outside the box, uh, bold thinking by Cobb there. I, I like it. Yeah, he wants to really give a shot in the arm to the Giants organization. No, they're, um, they're a better organization than the Angels, so that, that's that, a step that's up true. there at least. So. Yeah. yeah, I think if he looked historically, he would want to go to either the Giants or the Dodgers from, um, you know, sure. like winning tradition uh, of more recent, so... Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, but the funny thing, the the I I don't. I guess maybe it's a little ironic that when we last spoke, the Giants were two and a half games out, and they are still two and a half games out. And well, we took two I, weeks off too. And we took two weeks off. The ironic part of it is they were two and a half games out ahead of the Dodgers and trailing the Diamondbacks. 
Now they are two and a half games out of their first with a first place tie between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Double D. Got a tough division there. Yeah. And, you know, it all boils down to going into the all-star break. The Dodgers went seven and three and both the Diamondbacks and Giants went four and six. And the Giants had Mm. like some uneven play and just sort of sputtered into the, into the break. So it's to, you know, they probably should be happy that they're only two and a half out, but um, you know, it does make for an interesting last 70 games of the season, barring any makeup games for teams. I mean, um, I know the Sox have 70 left cause they've not, they have no makeup games, I believe. Okay. So they have 70 left. Um, so um, around 70 games left for them. They got a decent amount within their division still too. So I don't, we'll see what happens. Uh, they still are in the wild card lead with the Diamondbacks. So we might be looking at another NL playoff where you got three teams coming out of the, the NL West. I mean, I don't want to write off the Padres, but I almost feel like you kind of got to write off the Padres to some extent at this point. Yeah, I mean, when do you believe, when do you draw but, the line? Some uh, they've got to they've got to kick into gear at some point, but it's it's getting late. Yeah, it's like it's like everyone is in a bottle, so to speak, and they're like, you know, they got their own stats, and and that's all that matters, you know. So I don't know. It's a weird. It's weird out there. And what I mean by weird is the fact that that team can't get in going in the right direction with by far. I mean, they're more telling than the the Dodgers are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, the only, the only team that is, I mean, the only member, one of the one members of the team uh, pitching wise, that's just been lights out. Finally is Blake Snell. He's, like first in every statistical category over the last like two months or something like that. He just had like a somewhat shaky first month. So I don't know. I'm not terribly worried about them. So I feel like it's a three team race and uh, I feel like the giants got as good of a chance as anyone. It'll be what moves get made at the, at the deadline to like push things over the top. I think we'll be talking more about that next week for sure. Like what, what kind of moves should be made by each of our teams. And I think the giants are the, the, the one team amongst us that's really going to be going for it. So I think that'll yeah. be the most interesting conversation. Well, if that's all you have for your yeah, giants, that's all I got. I'm going to move over to my Chicago Cubs who are five games below 500 at the break. Uh, really, they're still on the razor's edge of buyers <laughs> sure and sellers. Are. They sure are in that division. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, you had your liquored up owner in a London pub, Tom Ricketts, proclaiming they would be buyers at the deadline. And just a couple weeks later, that that is in serious doubt. Bye, Mortimer. Bye. Yeah, it's it's really it's by it's their own fault. It's their by their own design by Jed and company's design that they're in this position. They, they went out and signed a bunch of free agents, but they signed them with short-term deals with the idea that at this point in the season, they could go either way. That was, that was, I believe their, their real strategy. 
and it's coming to fruition almost excruciatingly so especially with the you know Cody Bellinger he would be a great asset to have going down the stretch if they're going to go for it but he would also be a tremendous trade to trade asset to move right now as he's as he's picked it up again after his injury yep. but the most intriguing uh, you know asset there that you have no idea which way it's going to go is Marcus Stroman who we've mentioned many times in this podcast for varying reasons uh but you know of course he's got the the opt out after this season if he chooses to go he can go wherever he wants he's been asking for an extension from the cubs publicly at, to which the cubs do not want to engage in those discussions publicly sounds like they're not d- engaging in those discussions privately either as yeah no doesn't look like there has been an offer extended to him uh, so i think they're just holding their cards close to their vest you know maybe they have a deal in mind the week of the trade deadline that they could throw at him if they decide they're going for it. I think they just, they can't make a decision right now because it's, it's too close one way or the other, which is kind of hilarious to say, because they are five games below 500, but they're still right there. And it's just a terrible division that we've documented all season. So. Yeah. I mean, mean, at five games under 500, I think it's kind of like, if they came out of the break and won like 10 games in a row, then, you know, it's, it's back to that. No team should even, no matter what their ranking is in their division, I I stand by my, no team should even consider adding unless they're 500 or better. Yeah. Yes. Well, that that just adds to how pivotal these next couple of weeks are going to be for the Cubs. I think that pressure might be getting to our manager when David Ross, who had a couple meltdowns this week, both on the field and off the field. Uh, the first one or this, the most recent one came in New York this weekend where he was ejected in the first inning after oh, yeah. arguing balls and strikes and getting rather profane with home plate umpire. Is it Alex McKay? McKay, McKay Alex McKay. You've got his quote pulled up there. I, I, I do. This do is... You ha- this is a quote that uh, made me text Smitty and say, I think David Ross should be our badass of the week. <laughs> yeah, we could have included him in our badass <laughs> of the week nominations, but do you have a do you have a David Ross impression? Do you have a voice uh, for David Ross? Yeah, I can try here. Yeah. I can try. I mean, right. I sometimes magically pull these off and you're like, wow, that's really good. Um, remember that r- random Ozzy one I did that time? It's really you know, good, like, yeah. Well, yeah. You're, you're building okay. this up a little bit more. I know. Now be, it's so. going to it's gonna be terrible, everyone, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, you got to be better. You got to be one goddamn game before a break and you already have uh, – I, I read it wrong. Hold on. Let me try it again. Hold on. <laughs> Three, two, one, Rossi. You got to be better. You got one goddamn game before you get a break and you're that fucking bad already. The best is we know that quote because it was caught by a hot mic and the, and oh, the yeah. real and broadcast. John boy was on it like, like seconds after it happened. Yeah. Michael K was, was complimenting him on his tirade. It was, it was fucking hilarious. Uh, I love that that was caught. And the best part is McKay is just standing there taking it. He's just, he's just, has a blank blank look on his face. Doesn't say anything back. Just lets him get it out. Uh, too 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 much not to comment on for especially for a podcast like this. Yeah, it, it's great. Um, and that was guess, that yeah, was that second was... in a in a string of tirades earlier in the week. Uh, 
Well, this this has history. This one. Yeah, there's a lot going on with with the series in Milwaukee. Uh, maybe it's more than a week. He, he <laughs> there's some hijinks going on that uh, David Ross was not too happy about. He was asked about it after after the game. What was going on? There was. We'll we'll go through everything that happened that day. But the the choice quote he had uh, after the game was just too much not to ignore. Yeah, and just just for reference, this is specifically about the roof being closed in like what the seventh inning or something strange yeah. like that. Um, when asked about it, because there are specific rules yes. uh, surrounding it, this is what he said. They're closing the roof to get rid of the shadows late. That was a lot of bullshit today. And that was really frustrating. I thought it was fucking horseshit. And I don't fucking know. I thought that was a great reading. It didn't sound anything like David Ross, but yeah, was, I don't was even really know reading, what he sounds so. like. <laughs> He's got kind of a gravelly, kind of an old guy voice, but. It goes in the road to get rid of the shadows. <laughs> even yeah. further off, but nice try. <laughs> Yeah, there was some serious horseshit going on. He, I think, he was spot on with all with all of his comments there. Because not only was it historically bad home home plate umpiring that game that both teams were really pissed off about. That is correct. Opening and closing the fucking roof. Uh, that's that's pro- strictly prohibited. You have to yeah, make a decision that, before that's the, the game. Weird part. Yeah. They're, the only the only case they can change their decision before the game starts is if there's serious inclement right. weather. And I mean, if you call sunshine serious inclement weather, then I guess I don't know what to tell you. You can you can do anything you want your, with your roof if that if that's the rule. But the sun was the only issue. And they were trying to help them help the help with the shadows essentially late in the game. So I don't know how they got away with it. I don't know who allows that to happen. How the how the you know you'd think the crew chief of the umpires would put a stop to it, or who's who's letting that happen? I I, I don't know how that works. Uh, you could tell David Ross was equally exasperated. Yeah. I mean, again, the, you know, they were, I was reading an article where I was rehashing, like, this is more, is this just a continuation of like all this shit that's built up? Like, remember the sunshine game, but it was canceled, but yeah. lost his mind. And I thought of that, that immediately. Could, yeah. But that was like five years ago now. I mean, that was a different manager for the Cubs. That was, that was under the Joe Madden regime. Well, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't even, it wasn't around, even so. Joe Madden has nothing to do with the game getting canceled though, either. I mean, it's just like, right, an, right. I think it's an organizational, like, yeah, bitterness. we, we actually broke that down. I think when that happened, uh, you know, that's not just a Cubs decision The, the major league baseball is involved. Uh, you know, the, the opposing team has to be involved as well. So, it was ironic that it was a nice sunny day by the afternoon when the forecast called for a torrential downpours, much like the weather you're getting right now there. But uh, it is perfectly sunny outside, by the way. That's and awesome. there was there was just a turn. I don't know if you heard it. There was just another tornado siren. And oh, I heard it a couple minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, it, it, on the podcast. If perfect sunshine. Well, good thing we didn't cancel this podcast, like much like the Cubs did the other the other year. Yeah, we almost did, but I I, I, I stuck it out through the tornado side. <laughs> You're a trooper. I I like it that there's such weird shit going on with the Cubs and, and Brewers. It's becoming it already is the best best rivalry in the NL Central. It's it's not the Cubs and and Cardinals anymore. It's the Brewers and Cubs because because of that kind of weird shit. There's a lot of anger. 
both teams are angry at the umps. They're both angry at each other. They're angry at the roofs. They're angry at the weather. There's lots of crazy shit. It, it's an always entertaining series now. So true, hundred percent. I, I love yeah. that. Well, I think I'm going to take a break here before I get we get to the second half of the show. So we'll be right back here on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. Hey, everybody. How you doing out there? This is Pete from Major League Gay Hills, the show. And are you enjoying our podcast? Well, if you are, why don't you show us some love and support us and get something in return at our new aesthetic shop? Do you like to annoy your inner town rivals and White Sox fans? Why don't you buy a Rizzo Suck shirt or you fucking A's fans get a Posey Suck shirt from our ass face of the franchise collection? You want to celebrate the legends of baseball? We got the hammer, the bird, the wizard. Oh, the great catfish hunter. As the great Hawk Harrelson used to say, he loved catfish. That's from our badass collection. Or do you want to just support your area? So you got the Northside, Southside, Motor City, and Bay Area collections. Again, all of this is available at aesthetics.shop. The official shit of Major League A-Holes. Well, there was one thing I asked of my Tigers this year, and that's just to be interesting. And so far, they've they've done so despite their thirty nine and fifty record. Mainly, mainly they're they're in third place, which is amazing, just a byproduct of the shitty AL Central. But they've been interesting, uh, besides uh, just kind of staying in the race. Uh, they've had interesting performances by young players. Uh, they finally got Riley Green back this past weekend. He, uh, of course, returned on his bobblehead giveaway day, which is perfect. He also got on base four times. Nice. And he had, he had a home run the next day, actually. So he, he's picked up right where he left off. So That's a good sign. Interesting. Yeah, I love that. But more than that, the Tigers found a way to throw a fucking no-no. First combined no-hitter in Tigers history. They're 120-plus years. First combined no-hitter. It's only the 20th no combined no-hitter in Major League history, which is kind of amazing. That's a, that's a byproduct of how uh, the game has changed so much with relievers being used so much more. We kind of made fun of the combined no-hitter a couple years ago with the yeah. Cubs doing it with four pitchers, where uh, Craig Kimbrell came in to close it and had no idea it was a, a no-hitter going on. Right, so, yeah. We've kind of downplayed the, that achievement as compared to a single uh, starting pitcher throwing the complete no-hitter. I think that still holds true. Um, it was still cool to see. Uh, people kind of freaked out a little bit, though, when A.J. Hinch went out onto the field to bring in uh, it, uh, returning Matt Manning, who just came off the I.L. three three starts before. Pulled him after 91 pitches in the seventh. And the crowd actually booed him, which is understandable. They're there, they're there to see history. The you know the, the best kind of history is when one pitcher does it. But ended up getting it with Jason Foley. Uh, 
taking care of the rest of the seventh and the eighth, and then Alex Lang coming in to close down the ninth. And um, it was just a cool thing for a team you wouldn't expect. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays, they did it against the Blue Jays on Saturday. Yeah. Friday, they gave up 12 runs to those same Blue Jays. So <laughs> kind of an amazing turn of events. It's unfair. Uh, there was no way Matt Manning was going to go nine innings. He was already at 91 pitches coming off the IL. This is only his third start. They weren't going to let him throw 120, 130 pitches to get through it all. So it, right. if anyone was paying attention, they knew he was going to have to come out. He just, you could tell he ran out of gas too. He, he just walked the previous, his last batter. It was, it was coming undone. It was the right time. Tigers were only up two to nothing also. So it's AJ Hinch's responsibility to, to get that win. You know, not, you know, he wants to do everything he can to, to help his players out you know, for a historic moment. But the combined no-hitter was a, a nice uh, con- consolation prize, I guess. The best part was the on-field interview after the game where Alex Lang, uh, the interview you know, goes to the, the crowd there. They can hear, but it's the same on TV. And they gave the microphone over to Alex Lang, and all he said was, holy shit, how about that, Detroit? <laughs> and... Uh, you know, of course, the the broadcaster, the the interviewer is just laughing, but he's like apologizing for it at the same time, apologizing for what you just heard. But they all loved it, so I made some graphics for that immediately. But that was a cool moment, so we appreciated that for sure. Other things that are fun for the Tigers happening is we're finally getting healthy, as we've had three starters return in the last couple of weeks with the pre- aforementioned Matt Manning, but Tarek Skubel also came back, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Although Erod was not impressive in his one outing he's had. Turk Skubel has been solid. He's only been pitching four innings at a time, which kind of sucks because I have him on my fantasy team. I'm not getting the quality Whoa. starts out of him, but he's he's putting up zeros. Uh, he looks great, looks healthy. So that, that's a huge positive. You know, the, the Tigers, I keep whining about it, and I'm sure you're going to cry tears for me. But in 2022, they had 17 different starting pitchers because of injuries. This year, they're already at 14. So it's hopefully they're getting a little more healthy. Although, you know, they, I just said they got three starters back. At the same time, they lost Matthew Boyd for the, to Tommy John surgery for a year and a half. So I guess the math is sort of working in our favor. Get three starters back, lose one, but we'll see how that, that plays out. It's all a trade off. Yeah. So. So there's some positivity there. Hopefully in the next, in the near future, we hear about some call-ups potentially from AAA. I want to, I haven't mentioned him yet on the podcast. I think it's about time to mention Colt Keith. Uh, he may be coming up to play third base eventually as Jonathan Scope was DFA'd last week. Uh, kind of a, a bummer, but Jonathan Scope hasn't been a major league hitter for a year and a half at this point. So right. it was well past time for him to bit big get DFA'd. He did serve the Tigers well. Um, you know, no ill will towards him, but he's just, he's not a major league hitter anymore. It's, it's sad. And it would have certainly helped the Tigers some last year. If it didn't work out that way. Other exciting things for the future for the Tigers is they had the number three overall pick in this year's MLB draft. Uh, I don't know if you paid a whole lot of attention to that. I know the Cubs were middle middle of the first round. I think the Sox were like the 16th pick. Yeah, they were like right behind the Cubs, I think. Again. Yeah, was, they were right Couple around behind. each other. behind, yeah. It's hard to I, – I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to the major league of the baseball draft just because we hardly ever see those players. I just go based on what other 
pundits are saying, do a little bit of research here and there. The only reason I pay attention now is the Tigers are always at the top of the draft. I certainly paid attention right. a couple years ago when they drafted Spencer Torkelson, 1-1. Um, this year they had the number three pick. And I, you know, the the bit of research I did on it was I was hoping uh, LSU outfielder uh, Dylan Cruz would fall to them somehow. And it almost looked like he would as he was supposed to go 1-1 to the Pirates, but they actually went with an LSU pitcher instead. So for a moment, I thought he might drop, but actually the, the Nationals picked him up. So that led to the interesting decision that Scott Harris had, whether he would go with the consensus, a Wyatt Langford from Florida, and, or if he would go from go with a high school player. And I am a proponent of going for the college player just because there's a larger, larger track record, larger sample size, there's less development to do potentially just being older, um, a little bit closer to the major leagues just in terms of years, but it's not the route that Scott Harris decided to go into. He, he actually drafted Max Clark, who of course I knew nothing about, but my subsequent research, he was, uh, essentially called the only real five tool player in the draft is pretty, pretty high praise. Um, he's got, he's got all of them, I guess. Not as not quite the power that, that Dylan Cruz is showing, but it's got everything else. Um, I, you know, it's a, it's a crapshoot with a high school player. Uh, but many pundits said if this was any other draft without those two LSU players at the top, he would have gone, one one so that that's encouraging at least uh, again i don't think anybody knows i think i think the mlb draft is a bigger crapshoot than any other draft there is so even the experts get it wrong uh, right. most of the time so uh, i just i guess it's time to sit back and sit back and see how things go i it's encouraging that they have a number three pick i think they're gonna have another high pick next year unfortunately uh although we do have the draft lottery now so i'm not sure how that's going to play out so just wanted to throw that in there another little bit of excitement for the future for the tigers another top prospect possibly coming through the ranks well congratulations thank you thank you it means nothing <laughs> maybe it could mean everything right. yeah it could you mean everything know. you never know right exactly it could be a hit it could be a winner it could be a loser only time will tell would you like to talk about your white socks no, uh, but I will I, anyway. I guess that was a loaded question. That was the perfect yeah. response. So yeah, no, but uh, I will. So uh, I don't have much to say. I've Sixteen games the, below five hundred at the break. Yeah, I've declared the season over. They are definitely sellers. I think even if they win, I think there's seven. Is there seventeen games before? The break, yeah, I'm not before sure. Before the trade deadline, I think they'd be one game over 500. That <laughs> they would be, won all of the games. They, they won all of their games. And so I, you know what? I would be a proponent if somehow they went on a seven-game winning streak, very reminiscent of the uh, Oakland A's. Uh, 17, yeah. Yeah, it was 20, what? 20. 20. It was 20. 20. Oh, it was 20? I thought it was over 20. But um, Yeah, so the Sox just need to win 17 games and you'll, yeah. be, you'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I will be have a totally different approach to baseball at that point. Um, but they are horseshit. They are garbage. They, 
You know, the funny thing is, like, record-wise, they're not yet the worst team in baseball, but let's think about this. They lost 2-3 to the A's, terrible team. They lost 2-3 to the Cardinals, a terrible team. To me, that just by that alone makes them the worst fucking team in baseball. That Cardinal series was just brutal how you lost those games, too. Oh, my God. Pathetic. That's why I want chat GBT to take over as my bullpen. But... um, (laughs) I just had one, I have one interesting kind of funny stat that Chris Kampka pulled out that the Sox, the Sultan of stats. Yeah. The Sox are 0 and 9 this season when recording 14 or more strikeouts in a baseball game. What? That's that takes talent, man. That takes real talent to somehow have pitchers going out there, basically striking out half, half the, over half the at bats. Yeah. And still not winning the ball game. Yeah. Go Sox! I think we know right where the issues are. They all lay, lay on the offensive side. Yeah. So I thought I have a little fun over the next few weeks. I don't want to get into, I didn't want to start this week off since we're still a few weeks away from the trade deadline, but I wanted to start off by doing a part one the window is oh, the window is closed. The window is broken. <laughs> well, I guess if it was broken. It would technically be open. So the window is just nailed shut. Yeah. The 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 rebuild is failed. Wow. Um, yeah. With a lot of guys who we're going to go through on a, on a list here, or uh, uh, you know, we're can't miss prospects by. Um, the pundits. Uh, and if you asked anyone at the time, everything that Rick Hahn did trade wise was like fucking cupcakes and rainbows. And, and the white Sox were like, had the fucking number one farm system at one point and all of this shit. And this is what, this is a perfect example of how all of that means nothing. It, it well, all matters what happens on a major league level on the field. I think one thing that that was a bit peculiar that we talked about at the time it was happening is signing all your young offensive players to to extensions before they were even arbitration eligible. And I kept asking why why would you do that before they before they've proven anything? I still don't think that may may, would make a hill a hill a a, a difference at all in the outcome of these stats and what these players I think I think there's a motivational factor. I, I think I I think it was I think it's very clear that there's a, there was a motivational factor. It also hamstrings Rakan at this point. And that's why you're that, in, that's in the, the bad that's in. the bad part about it. Yeah. I mean Yon Mankata who we're gonna get to well we can start gonna be making he's gonna be making what twenty five million dollars next 20, year twenty one I believe twenty two next oh, year my yeah my God at least it's well, the final year of that I think you were going to frame this this discussion as we go down, go through the list. We're our old segment, panic or patience. Panic hits me like a bucket of water. First, there's a shock of it, bam, right in the face. Just take it easy, man. Patience. Perfectly calm, dude. I'm just standing there, drenched in panic. Yeah, and 
the idea here is, you know, patience will just be anyone who, you know, worked out. Okay, we'll we'll we'll, we'll frame it up like that, or you know, and panic is any player who, <coughs> you know, choked. It's just, it's right, yeah, right there, right. <laughs> <coughs> Hold on, we're gonna edit. This. Let me hit. My goodness, let me kill. This. And you know, panics someone who we thought was going to be the be all end all, and just absolutely shows no signs of of that at all. It's really kind of a bust, so to speak. Well, I'm not sure. Is it all that black and white? I guess it's. It, I guess it's our feelings. You know what what they've done or what they are doing going forward is is the way I would. Have yeah, it is. It's 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 all so. opinion, but mine's going to be right on this. So um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. This well, is going to be ahead a, and go a fun interactive segment for us. All right. And I, I tried to build this list based upon guys who were considered uh, somewhat key in drafting and trading for the for the window. Okay, guys, we heard about guys that that Rick Hahn, you know, paraded in front of us. So, um, but let's start sort of in the middle of my list uh, from what I sent you and start with Yoan Minkata. Yeah. And I, I would, I would say uh, panic. Yeah. That's ob- obvious panic. He has not panned out in any way. He, like we said, he's due an inordinate amount of cash amongst the highest paid third baseman in the American league. Uh, is just not healthy. And when he is healthy, he doesn't really put up the numbers. So I think at this point it's a, it's a total panic. I mean, this is the number one prospect in baseball. Yeah. Boo. Says a lot. Boo. Uh, next up, I'm going to go Reynaldo Lopez, part of the trade of Spanky, I believe, that brought Giolito and Lopez yeah. over here. That's amazing uh, that you got both those guys for fucking Adam Eaton, but yeah, <laughs> that's still. It's a, it's a, it's still a win for the Sox in that trade, but I'm Lopez panic. Yeah. I think if you have to choose one or the other at this moment, you have to panic. I think he might be being misused somehow. I don't know how many different ways you can use him, but it just feels like the, he, at times he's brilliant and at times, but most of the time he's, he's a liability. So I think you have to lean towards panic, panic. Let's go to, let's go to X cub farm. Person, Eloy Jimenez. I need another. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just go patience on this one. I think that's wise, uh, just because the potential has always been there. When he is healthy, he he produces. Although he maybe he's not he, he's not hitting home runs right now, but he's hitting a shit ton of 110 mile per hour exit velocity line drives. I so would he's say that's got to elevate it. Yeah, I would say that's just a, a small sample size since he's been back. I think that's going to work itself out because we've seen him do it before. Yeah. You got to be patient with him, but I mean, at what point is he just always going to be injured? I think, I think yeah, we've right. I mean, got that, to that point. That's, that's, what, that's what we wonder about. So Yeah, I think we're being generous, but I think I think we've got to go with patience. All right. Uh, Lucas Giolito. Definitely falls under the patience. He... Patience, I mean, for another couple of weeks because he, yes. he's going to be your number one trade commodity, I think. He sure investors. is. So he's also on the last year of his of his contract. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
he's he's one that has worked out. It didn't look like it when he first started. If you said this after the what, 2019 season or what? The worst ERA in baseball? Yeah. Uh, to follow that up with being one of the best pitchers, including a no hitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's had a roller coaster. Uh, unfortunately, he's getting divorced. It was announced this week. He announced it. Yeah. Well, you explained why. Oh, yeah, he invited James Shields to his wedding. <laughs> so that was doomed from the start, right? Yeah, that marriage was definitely doomed. But um, Yeah, so uh, some unfortunate news for, for Giulio. He's going to go to a contender this year, so you can feel good yeah. for him there. At least. I, I, do, I do, I do. Maybe he, the Sox will get something of, of future value in return. Well, unless that 17-game win streak starts this Friday. That's right, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, and he's perfectly go, placed in your rotation for a playoff run. If they go 15 and two, do they still pull the trigger? I say, no, just go <laughs> ahead and trade everyone away. Um, up next, another ex cub farm system, uh, mm. hand Dylan cease patience, who, patience. Yes. It was lights out last year has looked lights out this year. Then hasn't looked lights out this year. Yeah. Definitely... I don't know. It's been a weird, it's been a tumultuous year for, for Cease, but his stuff looks there. I don't know what's going on, uh, but I think he's, I think patience there. I oh think... yeah. I mean, he was second or third in the Cy Young, you know, American League Cy Young voting last year. So yeah. he's definitely having, having a, a down year. Uh, it's, you know, he's still, he's, he's got what, a low four ERA, which is, yeah uncharacteristically bad for him but it's pretty average um i think you're gonna learn we're gonna learn in the off season there's you know pitch selection you know there may have been issues with the catchers that he just didn't mesh with i think i think there's there's a solution some an easy solution someplace for dylan sees and he's going to be back to his cy young um uh, caliber yeah. ways I, I certainly hope so um because he'll be one of the few valuable things that's probably left left in august um, he's got a couple years left on his contract too so yeah he, that's why yeah. he's not in the trade conversation plus he's having a down year but. yeah if there's another window conversation it ends in 2026 but more on that in weeks to come mm. um this 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 is another short-term thing because uh, unless there's an implosion from the turnaround uh, he's going to be gone too but lance lynn uh, key key piece that we got um, to push us over the top um, ha- hasn't resulted that way, but and this is more of like as a as a trade, uh, you know, I would personally panic and trade him now if I could. Oh, before he goes to two more outings. I see. But, yeah. yeah, but. Um, I guess I think, patience is okay for two more outings. I think he's he's consistently thrown the ball well. Um, yeah, I, over the I, last I, month or so, he's, yeah, he's kind of been yeah. back to what he was doing last year before he got hurt or after he, he got hurt. Yeah, he is a nominee for badass of the of the fit last two weeks. So yeah, yeah, I, I would I would definitely promote patience with him. I think his overall, he's even though he started out terrible this year, I think overall he's been solid addition for you guys uh it's unfortunate that he's been injured and potentially winded from not eating enough salads um yes but i i think 
if you're going to have to choose one or the other, you got to go with patience. All right, let's get to uh, those were all like uh, after I was looking at that, uh, those are kind of all like those are all players we had traded for. Now, mm. these are actual farm system folks. Oh, okay. I talked the final four. I didn't even realize I had mentally done that till I was at this more closely. Better uh, than you realize subliminal yeah, I know. podcasting content. Uh, I think this first one's easy, and I, I don't even know, but Lewis Robert, I think that's uh, yeah, patience. He's all good. He's fine. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, he's fine. I hope that right calf injury isn't isn't an issue going forward. But because he, he's had, that's the only knock against him is the injury issues. Right. But he's uh, he's finally putting it all together this year for sure. He he would be the AL MVP favorite if it weren't for one Shohei Otani, who's yeah a fucking alien. So yeah, exactly. So space alien, so be it, so be it right? Um, Jake Berger, who I think is really starting to come into his own with regular playing time, which is something ad nauseum. I bitched about about yeah, all the the did. in the tweet bag that people were like all over Jake Berger, and he's actually not. He's actually a you know, there's been dogs about his defense too, but he's done a very good job at third base for the White Sox also. I think he's done a serviceable, serviceable, yeah, serviceable job. job. Yeah, I'm not that's sure what very I mean. good is. Yeah, not very good. Okay. You're right. That's an, that He's done a serviceable job, yeah. but his bat needs to be in the lineup. He has way better power numbers than the former number one prospect in baseball. Yeah. He's, so, he's definitely your best third baseman this year. He, yeah. His numbers have tailed off a little bit in the last month, though, which is a little bit concerning, but. You know, overall, his power is is scary. Um, yeah, so. eight eighteen is it eighteen homers? So yeah, so I yeah, think over eight. over the like lat like from mid season to mid season, I think he's somewhere in the mid thirties. So yeah. Yeah. patience so, yeah. is definitely a, definitely the course of action with Berger. Um, Andrew Vaughn, I think I think patience here too. Andrew Vaughn's numbers actually remind me a lot of uh, of a young Paul Canerco, where That's people were ready to give up on him. White Sox fans, I remember my dad. Oh, this poor Canerco guy's never going to pan out. I'm like, ah, it's a lot like your David Ross impression. Yeah, I, well, that's <laughs> what my dad actually sounded like. I know what he sounds like. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is leading the team. This, this, this is again like I always say, like when Chicago records are broken in baseball, we should all take a take a pause and, and really look at how, what that actually means for our our two Chicago baseball teams because historically they're they're not the greatest uh, teams in the history of baseball. But he is leading the lead, the leading the team this year in RBI. So he's yeah. he's producing. He's producing more than than his uh, the former first baseman there, and uh, uh, you know I, it's the right it was the right move, and I, I think he's gonna eventually consistently be knocking out you know like upper twenties, lower thirties yeah. in home runs. So I, I've heard the Canerco uh, comparison as well, and it's it's interesting that they've had similar slow starts to their career. So that that's a might be a good, a really good comp to, to hold on to. I think regardless, yeah, it's patience. It's certainly not panic with Vaughn. Now here's the doozy. We're saving the best oh. for last. All right. Also part of the White Sox farm system. Uh, really, maybe those one person to blame for the shoddy offense, inconsistent offense, because 
he's considered the spark plug, the catalyst, the start me up of the offense. One Tim Anderson. Wow. That, that, that is the biggest conundrum. I, I'm, that's perfect. You saved him for last because I mean, he's a fucking batting champ and now he, he barely hits. I think he is every one of his stats is under 300. That's including like, Oh, uh, slugging percentage and, and OBP. OBP. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unreal how his, the roller coaster he's gone through so much of it. It feels like so much of it is like influenced by off the field matters. There's just a lot going on in Tim's life over, over his Sox career. It's just, if he could get into a, like a, solid stable situation off the field right it feels like he he could put it all together and it just hasn't happened he, he looks terribly un, unhappy in chicago in general we've seen it right yep. um so if you have to do anything i think you have to hit the panic button um it's not a wouldn't be a wise move to trade him at this point at the lowest lowest point in his value that's the conundrum that rickon finds himself in uh, so, I mean, in a way, if we're talking trade or not trade by the deadline, you have to practice patience because you're not going to get shit for them. You know, if they had traded them in the off season, potentially the Dodgers was, was the big rumor going around that, that could have worked out fantastic, but I'm not sure that would have made sense for a team going for it, you know, in the off season. So it's just, it's, it's vexing, I guess, is the, is the word for it. It's a yeah. conundrum the the TA conundrum. So I'm going with patience here. And part of this, uh, I was thinking about our conversation about Craig Kimbrell mm. um, last year. And to your point, he was at his lowest point when everyone's like, you need to trade him. You need to trade him. It's like, yeah, that's what, that's well, what fans on Twitter love to do is sell, yeah. sell players. Cause they're angry. Cause they're not performing when they would be selling them at their lowest point in value. So, which makes yeah. no sense if you know anything about economics. It's just an emotional, not a rational response. Yeah, I think you pick up the player option. You see if you can move them for something of value with the idea that the team is thinking he's going to have a fresh start. We're going to get him into spring training, get him playing whatever type of baseball um, that that team plays. They look at him as a bargain because of all his his mm. his stats the last three years at fourteen million dollars. He's yeah. you know, or that doesn't happen. But then you don't move him until the in hopes again. You are you are you are taking a risk, but he's. Mm, I think he's going to be any worse than he is right now. It's, it would That's be hard thing. to believe that he would be any worse. So uh, a new season, a lot of this drama over a year old at this point going into yeah. next year, you could see him kind of getting back to form, at least to a form where he is tradable for value. I don't think that is an outrageous way to look at his future. I, I think that's, that's very plausible. So I, yeah, I think it's, it's obvious. I mean, you just, you just hope that he can return to, to his, uh, at least some semblance of his former self. And I think, I think that's more than reasonable to believe. It'd be true. 
All right. Well, that was how I wanted. This is like a part one of catharsis for me. Oh, yeah. The White Sox. A part two that I want to get to next week is. Ooh, a cliffhanger for next week. Ooh. I'm looking at this like as a trilogy, maybe. Uh, Part two is. What is the pitching staff going to look like after the trade deadline? Mm. Who's going? What are some possible trade scenarios for those pitchers? And I think. I've got an idea. You've got something brewing in that head, which I, uh, strangely enough, I had happy Pete. I was like, I have a win-win situation that we're going to talk about. That's not, you You framed it as an asshole question, but I think it. I wasn't sure because I didn't, well, because we hadn't talked yet. So I wasn't sure what your mind frame. I wasn't sure uh, if you had had already nailed the window shut or not. Oh, it's got it. I I had a feeling, but I didn't, I didn't want to be too much of an asshole. I thought I thought for sure after my response to you on 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 Robert's calf on Twitter was whatever the season's over. Yeah, you're and an emotional guy. You you go through similar swings as TA. I don't I don't know. Well, oh wow wow jeez. I know <laughs> it, affects, it affects me on MLB the show too. You know, sometimes <laughs> I'm winning three or four games in a row, and then I'm losing three or four. It's a roller coaster. But yeah, that's it for the miserable White Sox. Tune in um, next week for part two. Panic or patience for more misery. <laughs> well, that moves us over to my Oakland A's, which I continue to threaten to never speak of again, considering they are now 25 and 67, 42 Ooh. games below 500 on the year. They're going to catch the socks before. They <laughs> yeah. Uh, but somehow they keep finding ways to, to get in, get in the news, get in my mind, get getting me, uh, content for this podcast so and it was just too perfect so to speak this uh actually, actually it's close to two weeks ago when the new york yankees came into town and subsequently got a perfect game against my oakland a's uh jermaine herman herman no it's domingo sorry domingo herman domingo through a perfect game uh i think it was 99 pitches is all it took him to get Nine perfect innings against my A's. Uh, the 24th perfect game in MLB history. Uh, it's been 31 years since the Oakland A's have been, either they have been no, it must be that they've been no hit even. Just perfect punctuation for this this season that they would get perfect gamed, uh, especially by Herman, who has kind of got a checkered pass. Like, even his previous start, he had given up 10 runs. Yeah, so he was not coming in on a hot streak. He had been suspended earlier this season for the sticky stuff. And he's actually been suspended in the past. I think it was last year, or maybe the year before, for uh domestic violence policy violation. So he's got he's kind of a strange guy to be to be celebrating or to to actually get a perfect game. So but I just of course, in you know, one of the shittiest seasons that the A's have ever had. They, they're not fielding a major league team, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised that they got perfect game. Like I said, it was just too perfect. The other bit of A's news, uh, just on the strange kind of vindictive fun side. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I called Rob Manfred not only our asshole of the week, but I called him a sociopath for the way he was treating the Oakland A's tr- fan base for for no reason other than he's he's just a cock. I mean, he's just an ass in every way possible. I felt like he had no no regard for human existence. I called him a sociopath. But 
he's also a fucking liar. And that's, that's the best part. And it was a really obvious lie. And we called him out at the time, but not only did we call him out and anyone who reads a newspaper or sorry, uh, reads, reads a website would know that when he said the Oakland city had never presented a real ballpark proposal to MLB or to the A's, um, that was blatantly false. And at the time, the Oakland mayor said that was blatantly false. And she took this opportunity at this week's all-star game to confront Rob Manfred with the ugly truth and produced 31 copies of this, the actual proposal that I've talked about for years, the Howard terminal proposal. Uh, It was just obvious. It existed that Rob Manfred chose to ignore the, the reality and tried to characterize Oakland is never giving a proposal. So she printed it out 31 copies to give to directly to Rob Manfred and the 30 owners to prove emphatically that yes, there is a proposal that the A's rejected and that major league baseball has to admit. So I, it was too perfect that they even took the meeting. Uh, but you, I guess you have to when a mayor is involved, but right. She shoved it right in his face. I, I forgot her name. I think you have a little more information about her and her background. She- she her name is Shang Tao. Yeah. T-H-A-O. Uh interesting because they um the athletic article gives a little bit of background and yeah, she's, thir- she's 38. She was she's the seventh child of 10. She fled Laos during the Vietnam War, uh, you know, fled genocide essentially. Uh, um she grew up <laughs> sorry about that. She he grew up in poverty in Stockton, California, in mm. her early twenties. Uh, uh, was pregnant with an abusive husband or abusive partner, I should say, not husband. I mean, she's had a really tough life. So, yeah. triumph you know, over she, adversity. Yeah, she's kind of framed it like I fought for everything in my life, so I'm going to fight to keep the Oakland A's in. Yeah, she's and, not going to put up with Rob Manfred's bullshit. I love. It. I just love that. Yeah, I mean Manfred. You you wish that the commissioner of baseball was voted not only by the owners but by a panel of yeah. chosen fans or something like you know more like a mayor or a president because he will never lose power because as you have penned it so perfectly he is the lawyer for the owners. He is the owner's lawyer. He is not in the best interest of baseball. He is there specifically and only to serve the best interests of the owners. And right. So they're never going to get rid of him. All commissioners have been that probably since, uh, you know, Bart Giamatti or uh, there might be others after that, that love baseball more than getting the owners more money. But he, Rob Manfred is the worst at masking it. I mean, he's just, he just doesn't care. He's, he's so bad. Yeah, his either he's it's just it's impossible for him, or he just doesn't give a shit uh, about what his public persona is. He just he just got caught in a lie. It's so great that that Oakland's mayor took care of that uh, for all to see, and the Athletic is reporting on it. Uh, I don't know that it'll it'll change things necessarily, but at least she got her message out there that you can't just fucking lie about this shit. Right. You you could you could you know say what you want or you know make your decisions for business purposes, but don't. Don't call this shit out on on the city of Oakland. All right. 
Well, I think that moves us to our final segment of the evening, our badass of the week. Is this guy supposed to be the ultimate badass? Oh, man, I see some crazy-ass shit in my town. I don't believe what I just saw! I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. What you see here, this is what you get. That's it. You like it, you like it. Don't beat it. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? And this ball is long gone. Mercy. What in the world? Thumper. I sent you a list of uh, several players. We haven't been uh, on the air for a couple weeks, so this is a little bit strange. I, I pulled the last 15 game stats for our position players and the last two starts for bunch of pitchers so why don't we go over the you want to go over the pitchers first sure uh we got logan webb 15 and two-thirds innings two earned runs 14 hits two walks and 21 strikeouts yeah the 21 strikeouts is probably going to put him over the top in the, the innings too justin Steele. i just like to say his name like that uh 12.1 innings three and runs 12 hits one walk and 11 k Lance Lynn, 13 innings, five earned runs, nine hits, three walks, and 18 Ks. Considering his start to the season, I thought he was the least likely Badass of the Week nominee, so I wanted to throw him on there. I think he's going to probably finish third of our of our pitchers, but I thought he was at least worth nominating. Yes, uh, indeed. Lucas Giolito, 13 innings, four earned runs, six hits, five walks, a lot there, and nine Ks. Trade him now. Uh, um, I mean, I've got no problem. Like if you were, we we're just looking at pitchers like Logan Webb, obviously. And... Yeah. I think he stands out mainly the strikeouts are just, he, well, he had the nine inning, uh, shutout yeah, and, and, and a shutout in the, too in the first half. So there we go. Well, this is really starting to get redundant, but <laughs> you know what? We'll, well, we'll you start at the we'll, bottom. We'll go, of the we'll go reverse order. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, fresh. Off the IL, Cody Bellinger, two homers, 13 runs, seven ribbies, a stolen base, and a 1067 OPS. God, my voice just keeps. Yeah, you are struggling. We'll we'll wrap this up quickly. But yeah, Uh, Bellinger, Bellinger, it's impressive. He only had the two home runs, but his OPS is still over 1,000 for the last last two weeks plus. So I thought that was impressive. He must be, he's definitely uh, getting a lot of. Still plenty of power to the alleys for doubles and triples. So it doesn't stand up to the others on the list, though. Uh, coming up next, Torque. Spencer <laughs> Torkelson, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about. And if you don't, then you're living locked in a room, maybe behind nailed shut windows like the White Sox. <laughs> okay. Uh, four homers, 11 runs, 11 RBIs, and an 849 OPS. Yeah, his OPS isn't quite up to up to our standards for badass of the week, but I did want to point out he had the four home runs. The other runs and RBI numbers were impressive too, but he gets shit on a lot in Detroit, mainly because he was drafted 1-1 overall. And we're expecting a lot more out of him. He really reminds me a lot of, and he's been compared to Andrew Vaughn. Uh, they're actually friends. They, they actually went to the same they the same hitting coach in college. Or oh, cool, yeah. At some point. I feel there's, there's a connection there. They, they definitely have have trained together a lot and they, they, they have similar profiles in a lot of 
they've been, I think Vaughn's been a little more impressive over his time in the majors. Uh, hoping Torque can get to that. And, he, and he's showing signs. And I think Tigers fans are so quick to judge him. He, he's got like 650 plate appearances in his, in his yeah, major league exact, career. Exactly. And people are, exactly. people are saying or they want to write him off already. That's just absurd. I know. So anytime I, I just wanted to kind of cherry, this is an opportunity to kind of cherry pick some numbers. Cause he had a good weekend in Colorado a couple weeks ago. So that kind of inflates that, but I thought it was at least worth talking about. Tor. And we may have to rename this award because leading this list over the past two weeks, Lewis Rabbit Jr. Eight homers, 14 Eight. runs, 14 runs, 13 RBIs, and 1122 OPS. I mean, <laughs> he's had he's had bigger OPSs. Of course, this is over two full weeks, so that is still incredible. But the eight home runs in two weeks is just outrageous. And so that it was perfect that he was in the home run derby. Uh, I wish he hadn't felt tightness in his legs, so he could have maybe performed deeper into that, but. You know, we saw we saw glimpses. The whole world saw glimpses of what Luis Roberts capable of. And I, I think it's another it's another yeah. slam dunk. He is our badass of the week, the Lewis Robert Award. <laughs> well, congrats to him. Uh, I think we can wrap this up so you can go get some tea or something to take care of your the frog Bourbon. in your throat. Bourbon. Bourbon. That'll that'll do it for sure. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think with that we'll wrap this up. You can find this podcast anywhere you like to find podcasts. You can find us on social media. Uh, Pete's over there at Socks Type Thing on Twitter, and I'm at Major League Eagles. Uh, we are also on YouTube. Check out the YouTube channel if you want to see our ugly fucking faces. Look at these guys. If not, this for radio. check us out anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. So with that, I think we can declare this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Fucking Christ, it's about time!